Morning, everyone. Today we'll Bezrat Hashem be learning Daf Nuntes and Maseches Yuma. And uh, I don't know if you remember, but we're on the very first word of Daf Nuntes. Isn't that awesome, Andrew? You love that symmetry. Now, what were we talking about? Well, you might recall there was a Machlokas Rabbi Kiva and Yossi Haglili. And the question was that we're at the stage of the Avoda. Uh, if we're really lucky, we'll get to the Mishnah Daf Samech, which is like a third of the way down the page, um, which really like sums up the Seder Avoda and our school has a whole note and then we get to like really review in Chazar where we've gotten up to until now. But suffice it to say, we've already did the, done the Hazos on, you know, towards the, uh, towards the Aron uh, and then now, and then we came out and now we're doing the Hazos on the Mizbech Hapnimi. And there was a Machlokas, Rabbi Kiva and Yossi Aglili, whether you go clockwise or counterclockwise. Now, just so you don't get confused, clockwise means you're going left. That's Shittas Rabbi Akiva. How is clockwise going left? Because as you face the Mizbeach Apnimi, if you imagine yourself going clockwise, you're always walking to your left. And according to Yossi Haglili, you go counterclockwise around the corners of the Mizbeach Apnimi, which means that you're going to your right. Now, mind you, we mentioned already yesterday, if you look at the Mizbeach Apnimi, versus the Mizbech HaChitzon to scale, okay? The Mizbech HaChitzon, where we bring normally the Chatas and the Tamid every day and all that, is has corners. And those corners themselves are an ama by an ama in dimension, right? In terms of width and length and depth, right? An ama by an ama. Each corner has that ama by ama dimension. The entire Mizbech HaPnimi is an ama by an ama. Just to give you an idea of the scale of one Mizbech to the other. So you're like standing over, like I keep saying, this mini Israel thing. And you really, as we'll see, don't even have to walk around it. If you were to walk around it, it would just be a ceremonial thing. If you wanted to, you could just stretch out your hand and do the Hazah on all four corners without even moving. And this Mizbech Apnimi because of its diminutive size. Okay. The question the Gemara asked um, at the end of Nches was, what would be the explanation uh, between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Yossi Aglili? And the question was, how does Rabbi Akiva allow you to go left? Don't we always hold that you go right? Don't we have the idea, right, of, um, who, who, of Rami Bar Yecheskel, the famous Rami Bar Yecheskel principle of always going right? Okay, and so how do you do that? So we were in the midst of giving answers. We gave one answer, we're gonna give two more, and then we'll move on. The first answer we gave, you might recall from yesterday, was the explanation of Rabbi Akiva, it's true that all things being equal, he would love for you to go right, as Rami, as per Rami Bar-Yecheskel's suggestion. However, there is an overriding principle that Rabbi Akiva has to adhere to, which is Ein Ma'avirin ala mitzvos. Ein Ma'avirin ala mitzvos, uh, we already learned from Exer Sakasov, it says the word you should go out in the Pasuk, which implies, or we learn from that, that as you walk from the Kadosh HaKadoshim out back to the Mizbech HaChitzon, you're bypassing those two corners on the western side, and that's why you start with the eastern side. But says Rabbi Kiva, Eim Aviran al-Mitzvos compels you to as soon as you have fulfilled that doraisa, so to speak, that, that, that idea of vayetze, as soon as you, as soon as you have fulfilled, um, the requirement to first do the hazah on the eastern side, your FOB, first order of business, is to go back 
to that mitzvah. You never forget that mitzvah that you had to, so to speak, bypass by sprinkling on the western side. And so it is that which compels you, instead of going to the other eastern corner and go counterclockwise, which would be going to the right, which would, which would be Rabbi Yosei Shita, Rabbi Kiva says, no, Ein Mavir Mitzvah is even more important. And therefore, go straight to the western corner that you passed over and that takes you into a counterclockwise, uh, that takes you into a clockwise, rather, left-going uh, direction, and is therefore this uh, balance, this Ein Mavir and Alamitzvos, um, being a priority over going to the right, which is the cause of Rabbi Akiva Shita. That was explanation number one. And so now we begin cleanly with explanation number two. The E Bais Ema will be another explanation to um, account for this Machlokas of Bikiva of Yosiglili. It says as follows Isvirolanha Kafa Baregel. Let's say you were maintain that that even though it's totally doable to do these hazaz just standing in place, you still let's say you hold that ceremonially we want to keep it consistent with what we do by the outer mizbech and therefore if you were to hold that the coin gadol's uh is making a circuit like he's walking around the mizbech hapnimi uh right so if you did that that would mean that everybody would agree that whatever we hold you have to do outside you have to do inside uh, so that's an interesting idea, right? In other words, if you were to walk, right, you don't have to walk, but if you were to walk, then you should follow the laws of the Mizbech HaChitzon. Now, in the Mizbech HaChitzon, we say that you do always walk to the right. However, says the Gemara, V'hacha behalka miflagi, mar savar hakafa biyad, umar savar hakafa beregel. So there you go. In other words, Rabbi Yossi who says, the, he's the Mar that suffer HaKafa Beregel. Rabbi Yossi who says that you have to actually walk around the Mizbech even though you literally could just do it with your hands. He's going to say, well, when you walk around the Mizbech, you should walk around in the uh, configuration and direction that you would walk in the Mizbech HaChitzon, which is always to the right. That was Rami Baruchaskel's principle. Rabbi Akiva says, yeah, that's true when you're walking. But you don't have to follow Rami Becheska's principle if all you're doing is standing in place and spritzing the blood. You're not even walking. So then it doesn't matter which, right, which direction you're going. In other words, you're not violating the principle of Rami Becheskel if you're doing it, um, right, if you are actually um, doing the Hazar clockwise. Um, so I think, I, I, when I looked at this, I, I assume that you, there's elements here also of Ein Mavir. In other words, you, that, like the question we asked yesterday in the Gemara, it doesn't mean, we said, Rabbi Akiva says that you have to go clockwise. So we say, well, if you're saying that you don't have to follow the going to the right, why would Rabbi Akiva mandate that you go clockwise? So that, I, I think you could still talk about the principle of Ein Mavir in here. In other words, Rabbi Akiva would say that because, not, not that Ein Mavir is more important than walking, it's that you don't have to walk to the right here because you're simply not walking at all. And therefore, once you don't have that principle of having to walk to the right, so then we're going to say that let's do the Ein Mavirin and do it clockwise and go, as it were, doing the Hazos with your arm in a clockwise, which would be the equivalent of a left-turning uh, direction. That's explanation number two. 
So again, explanation number two is, Rabbi Yosef Glida says you're walking, even though you don't have to, and Rabbi Kiva says you're doing with your hand, and therefore he goes to the left. The third explanation is, that even Rabbi Yosef Glida would agree that all you're doing is sprinkling with your hand and you're standing in place. In other words, Rabbi Yosef Glida would say that even when you do it with your hand, we apply the Rami Baruchetzkel principle of going to the right, even with your hand, as if we were walking. Whereas Rabbi Kiva says, no, since we're doing it with your hand, Geronowitz. That's what I'm talking about. And Rabbi, whereas Rabbi Kiva says, since you're doing it with your hand, it bears no resemblance to walking. And therefore, Geronowitz, would you rather walk around the Mizbech or would you just do it with your hand if you could, if you could avoid it? <laughs> I do it with my hand. Exactly, exactly, much easier. Much easier. So you're all like Rabbi Kiva. Very good. Okay. That last explanation, however, the Gemara is going to reject. Because it says that it can't be that the, both Tanaim hold, right? This last explanation was that both Rabbi Yossi Aglili and Rabbi Akiva would say that you can go, that you could do it with your hand. The Gemara is now going to suggest that Rabbi Yossi Aglili is going to insist that you walk around the inner Mizbech, even though theoretically you could do it with your hand. We're on the first word, seven lines down on Nuntasamad Aleph. Says the Gemara, and does Rabbi Yossi Aglili really concede that you could do this hazah around the inner Mizbech by hand without walking at all? It says in the, in the end of our Mishnah, of our Mishnah, right? You might recall from the end of our Mishnah, Rabbi Eliezer said that you could just stand in place. And mechate, right, means that you can, right, daub the blood on each corner without having to walk. That implies that he's arguing on somebody, right? Whenever you say Rabbi Eliezer, Omer, it means that he's being cholik on whoever came before. As the Gemara says, Miklal the Tanakama los It sounds like, right, the implication is that he's arguing on somebody and that the Tanakama actually holds that he has to walk around. So if, in fact, the Tanakama is saying that you have to walk around, it would stand to reason that that would be the Shita of Rabbi and therefore that Rabbi this last third interpretation that says that everybody gets to you just stand in place, however, Rabbi still wants to pattern after walking, we're not buying into that. We think that Rabbi is going to make you physically walk around this t- little tiny mini, mini Israel inner Mizbeach. Okay, so to that, the outer, there's two Mizbeachs in the base of Mikdash. There was an outer one, that was a big one with a ramp, and it was like giant, and and then there was the, the inner one in the Heichal was tiny. It was like an ama by an ama. So that you don't really even have to walk around. We're talking about doing the hazas around it. You don't even have to walk around to do it. You could do it by standing in place. That, that was the incense? Uh, well, there you, right? So there, uh, sometimes you put the katars, as we'll see. Um, but also there were certain karbanos, there were inner karbanos where you do hazas adam, where you sprinkle blood on that. And one of those avodas was on Yom Kippur as well. So the Gemara at this point concludes, right? We go back to assuming that there's a machlokas between walking around it and just sprinkling around it. That would be Rabbi Akiva who holds that you could do it with your hand. You're just sprinkling it in a circular um, clockwise motion. And Rabbi Yosef says you have to walk around it uh, on foot, and when you're walking around it, you cannot do the clockwise, you have to do the counterclockwise, because that is moving to the right, as per the principle of Rami Bar Yecheskel. It's like the Goyim have a dance, you know, uh, you know, go to the right, go to the left, you know. Right, so, um, the Miz- we do a Mizbeach sort of walk, right. yep. Right. V'yibayis Eima, right, and uh, V'yibayis Eima, 
On Sukkot, we walked around the Mizbech, right? That's a Hashanos. Okay. V'ibais ema b'halkamif. We're going to learn Masech Sukkot, God willing, soon. Okay. V'ibais ema b'halkamif l'gi. Maybe, uh, is, right, this is what the Machlokas is about, whether by hand or by foot, as follows. Mar savar saviv de Mizbech pnimi. Rabbi Yossi Aglili says that the term saviv, when it's talking about the inner Mizbech, is kisaviv de Mizbech achitzon. You interpret it like saying around the Mizbech achitzon. Where is this word? In Vayikra, the first parak, it says, um, well, well, and also in parak Tesvav, right? It says it Saviv with regards to the outer Mizbeach in the first parak, and with regards to the inner Mizbeach, uh, it says the, the first uh, also, uh, with regards to the inner Mizbeach, it also says. So in first parak of Vayikra, it says, Vizarkus Adam al Mizbeach Saviv. And in the 16th parak of Vayikra, it says, uh, with regards to the uh, smaller base, um, smaller Mizbech, it says, Venasan al Karnosa Mizbech Saviv. See, Vizarka Zadam Mizbech Saviv, Venasan al Karnosa Mizbech Saviv, says the word Saviv, as the Gemara points out twice. Once by Mizbech Achitzon, once by Mizbech Apnimi. That would be the source for Biosia Galili, that just like the coin Gadol has to walk around the Mizbech Achitzon, he would also have to walk around the Mizbech Apnimi, albeit, uh, a very small circle. Whereas Mar Savar, this would be referring to Rabbi Akiva, In other words, this is where we got this idea of what? The proportion. That when you do it to scale, the entire right dimension, is literally the size of one of the corners of the And therefore, it's so small, that's the word saviv, wouldn't make sense to say that what it means is that you have to walk around this corner. It's just al, in other words, al karnosa mizbeach saviv versus al hamizbeach saviv is just to sort of allude to the proportional difference to scale between the mizbeach apnimi and mizbeach achitzon, but not to imply that you have to walk around the mizbeach apnimi, um, like you do in other words, as Rabbi Yossi clearly suggests that what the psukim mean, the word saviv twice means, is to tell you that you have to walk around the Mizbech HaPnimi just like you have to walk around the Mizbech HaChitzon. Whereas Rabbi Kiva says quite the opposite, that what it's trying to highlight is the, right, the difference in scale between the two and to, um, to sort of underscore how ridiculous it would be to walk around the Mizbech HaPnimi because of the difference in size, where the Mizbech HaPnimi is literally the size of just one of the corners of the Mizbech HaChitzon, and therein lies the source, as the Gemara po- uh, points out, between the Machlokas, Rabbi Akiva, and Rabbi Yosei as they view this Hazah of the Mizbech HaPnimi. Okay. So now we have 14 lines down, a related Bryce Tanya. Amar Rabbi Shmuel, Shnei Kohanim Gedolim Nishtayru B'mikdash Rishon. Well, that's uh, interesting. We have this as to whether you walk clockwise or counterclockwise. Well, guess what? We have two Kohanim Gedolim who lived to tell the tale, who actually did the Avoda on Yom Kippur, and now we could just ask them, right? What did they do? It's possible. What do you mean, that they would survive? No, 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 they didn't have to be that old. These, these Gemaras were written, right? The Gemara was redacted in the, in the, towards the end of the Zaman of the Bayes Shani. So we have them, they were left, but the problem is, you're asking is Mikdash Rishon. How could it be Mikdash Rishon? How could you do that? How is possible? You know who you, um, you know who you're echoing? You know who says what you just said? The Vilna Gaon. You ever hear of the Vilna Gaon? Yeah. Yeah. So the Vilna Gaon was a, was a big genius. Right? And he said the same thing as you said. He said, it's impossible. Why is it the Gemara saying Mikdash Rishon? He takes it out. Mikdash Shani. Very good. Anyway, 
So ze omer biyadihi kafti, ve ze omer biraglihi kafti. But here's the problem, Goranoitz. That the two Kohen Gadols lift the tail of the tail in the Bayashani. One of them said, I did it by hand, like Rabbi Akiva. The other one said, I did it by foot, like Rabbi Yosheh Glili. So a lot of good that does us. We have two accounts, and they're conflicting accounts, just like this Machlokas. Zenosen, as the Gemara says, Zenosen Tamladvarv, Zenosen Tamladvarv. They each explained why they did it either by hand or by foot. And it turns out exactly the explanation that we had. Zenosen Tamladvarv, Saviv Demizbech Pnimi, Kesaviv Demizbech Achitzon. The reason that Rabbi Yosseglili gave. You have the two psukim, both of them say saviv, so just like you walk around the Mizbech HaChitzon, so too you should have to walk around the Mizbech HaPnimi. And the other one gives what we had given as Rabbi Akiva's right um, source, which is that the two psukim are teaching you that the entire Mizbech HaPnimi is the size of one of the corners of the Mizbech HaChitzon, therefore it would be ludicrous to do it by foot, and therefore we do it by hand. So we didn't get too far with these two kohanim, we still have this Machlokas vibrant and alive. It's Machlokas, as I said last night in the Beis Yaakov of Baltimore graduation. Machlokas Hashem Shamayim Miskayemes. Right? The uh, Machlokas Bisham Beisilo, as opposed to, ooh, calendrical coincidence. Machlokas Korach Ve'adaso is the paradigm, my daughter graduated, um, is the paradigm, uh, there was a lot of B'nai Jacob Shari Zion representation. Fink graduated, Howard graduated. Really? I felt right at home, yeah. Anyways, Barry, you should have had daughters there. Okay. Machlokas Shem Shemaim, you know, they make a joke. Machlokas Shem Shemaim is Kayemis. If you think it's a Shem Shemaim, then it's never going to go away. But, anyways. But they had the whole auditorium? Yep. It was beautiful. My mother was there. It's the whole thing. Bubby was there. 21 lines down on Nintesa Medal. For Billy Ezra Omer, Bimkomo Haya Oimedu Mechate. Okay. So, we are. Okay. Bimkomo Haya Oimedu Mechate. So. The Mishnah had said uh, that Rabbi Eliezer Shita was you just stand in place. This is like Rabbi, what Rabbi Kiva says, and you and you do the Hazar from there. So the Gemara asked, "Masnisin money? Who is the Tanah taught our Mishnah?" So the Gemara says, "Rabbi Yehuda." In other words, what do you mean? Who's the Tanah? Rabbi Eliezer. No, there's a Tanah that brought in Rabbi Eliezer's view that was like that um, that quoted Rabbi Eliezer here. And we say that Tana was Rabbi Yehuda. How do we know the Tana? Because we have a brayser. Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Leizer, Rabbi Mimkoma, Oda Melchata. Rabbi Meir says that you stand in place and Melchata here again. It means that you're daubing the Kronos with the with the blood. This is the issue here. Here's the issue. Um, so the part that the Gemara is talking about is the part where we say the following. There's two ways to apply the blood. You could apply it using an upward stroke from bottom to top, right? And that's really the way you want to do it. The problem is if you do it directly in front of you, you're going to spritz the blood on your tunic and get it soiled on your big day kahuna. So that's what our Mishnah said. Our Mishnah said that he stands by one corner and that he dabs everything in an upward strokes. All the other three corners, if he's standing in place, as Rabbi Kiva would say, then all other three corners that are away from him, he does it in the upward strokes from bottom to top. However, the one directly in front of him, if he did it, it was like spritz in his face, right? So you cannot do that. And that was the shita of our Mishnah. So we say that is Rabbi Yehuda quoting Rabbi Eliezer because Rabbi Meir holds, yes, albeit standing in place and doing the, the, the placing of the blood that way, However, Rabbi Meir continues to say, right, Rabbi Meir is taking extra precautions. He is, right, he's doing from a up to down, a downward stroke. 
on all of them except for the very far one. In other words, he's taking extra precautions. The three near him, he's not doing upwards so as not to get himself so- soiled. The only one he, that he's allowing himself to do from down to up is the one that's furthest from him. That's the only one that he does from down to up. Whereas Rabbi Yehuda Oimer, and now Rabbi Yehuda is going to reflect the Shita that is said in the name of Rabbi Yezer in our Mishnah, which is that, again, that he's doing all of them from down to up in an upward stroke, except for the one immediately in front of him. As the Gemara says, Rabbi Eliezer, yes, he's standing in his place. Both of them are quoting Rabbi Eliezer, right? But again, Rabbi, Rabbi Meir said that Rabbi Eliezer is doing it uh, up to down in every corner except for the far one, whereas Rabbi Yudah says, that in all of the corners he's doing from down to up in an upward stroke, except Except for the ones immediately in front of him. Why? That one he's doing in a downward stroke. Why? In order to not soil his clothes. That is literally directly the sheet of our Mishnah. And therefore, as the Gemara points out, this, our Mishnah is a reflection of what Rabbi Yehuda's account of what Rabbi Eliezer's din is. So now we're five lines up from the wide. It's, a, it's right. What would happen if it got dirty? We don't want it to get dirty. How there dirty is. Uh, how, what happens when it's dirty? What is the laundry activity of the begotten of the Kohen Gadol? That in itself is a machlokas, because the Pasuk, as if we get to it today, will say, some say you have to put the right away after Yom Kippur, that you have to put it away, Beganiza, that you just put it in Seamus, so to speak. Uh, whereas others would say that you can retire it. And let the coin head uh, wear it afterwards. But either way, if you're retiring it, you have to bring it to the cleaners. Okay. He's Let's say he sprinkled on. Okay. So now we're continuing with the, with with the mission. The mission said that after you sprinkle it on the corners. So we've done with the corners, Goranowitz. Now we're going on the tar shemizbech. What's tar mean? So my taro asks the Gemara. Where is that? It means that you sprinkle it halfway in midpoint, halfway up the mizbech pnimi. Now. Remember, there was a chuta sikra in the mizbech, a chitzon. We had like uh, a defining point, a fine line, up halfway up. So that would be good. Kedamri inchi says the gemara tahartira. I think I seem to recall we had this in psachim. Uh, this idea of tahartira mean uh, that the same thing that means middle means like midday, right? Tahartira v'have palga de yoma. Just like tahartira, this means it became bright, and when it became bright, that means that. It's like midday, right? Because that's when the sun is in the middle of the sky. And so the word tahar, which we usually associate with like tahar, it actually also means middle. And therefore, when the Pasuk says, or when the Mishnah rather says, it means that you put it halfway up the Mizbeach. The Gemara says, no, that's not, that's not the answer. In other words, the, we have a brisa, right? A Tanaic source that says that when you do this final hazah, after you do the corners, when you do it on the Mizbech itself, you can't sprinkle on the ashes, you can't sprinkle on the coals, you gotta make a little clearing. Now, where are you making this clearing? This is not up the side of the Mizbech at all. It can only be on top of the Mizbech. And therefore, this brisa, it challenges the notion that we're going to be sprinkling it halfway up the Mizbech and suggests that it has to be on top of the Mizbech. Right, so you're not doing it on the eifer, not the Right, shades of the uh, of the gazeras in Masechah Shabbos, but this is a different thing. This is just you're making a clearing in the middle of the mizbeach uh, on top of it, umaze. So the fact that you're sprinkling it then 
And there is a clear indication that you're not doing it on the side, but rather on the top of the Mizbech. And so that is what, so what does Torah mean? So that's what we're going to explain. That the word tar here is alluding not to halfway up the Mizbech, but rather on the exposed part of the Mizbech, which is the part on top that you've cleared off. And now we have a scripture, a Pasuk, where it uses the word tar in that context. It says, That the word tar is said, it's like the appearance of the heavens in tar, which is, means this, this is already, um, right? Where, where is this Pasuk? It's in Shmos. Right, the prophecy that the Skanim saw when Moshe goes up to receive the Torah at Harsinai, it said, Okay, so there it meant up, so it can mean, in fact, a top of his back, and that's what we, based on the Brisa, that's what we say it means. Okay, so now, what exactly, where exactly is, uh, this spot where the last, uh, where the last of Zohar's are done on top? As follows, Tanya, we learned this from a Brisa, Hananya Omer, Betzad Svoni Hunosen. Do the seven, the blood seven times on the north side of the face of the Mizbeach. And Rabbi Yossi Omer, so this is the final, the final sprinkling on the, on the Mizbeach Apnimi. So do you do it on the north side? So that is Shitos Chananya. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Betzad Dromi Onosin. You do it on the south side. Okay, so there's Machlokas Mi Katsa La Katsa here. Where do they come up with north and south? Ask the Mar, What's the Machlokas? Mar Sava Pischa Bedarim Kari, Mar Sava Very simply. You do it on the very first right side that you see. And so there it was, as you might recall, a Machlokas as to where the opening to the curtain is. Right? Is the coin Gadol coming out when he comes out from Kodesh Kodashim? Is he coming out from the north side or from the south side? Well, depending on where he's coming out from, that will determine where he's sprinkling. Okay, Tosfos gets involved over here, or Simon Wolf Schlita gets involved in terms of you have to follow the exact sequence of the Avoda. Where is he coming from? Where is he going to? But this is the simplest understanding of the Gemara, which is that he's coming out of either the north or the south, and therefore that is where you're going to uh, be doing the final Hazaz. The Gemara points out, the Chule Amamiya, that be that as it may, hechan the gavra matanos tekronos hasam yarevel gago. That wherever you're going to do the the completion of right the hazah on the corner, that's where you're going to apply the seven hazahs on the roof. My time, and what's the reason for that? Because amakrava tiharova kicho. Because the pasuk itself made a right made made a tushtel um, right made a comparison between tiharova kicho a connection and makom. Which is to imply, that where you did the kiddush, which is what we refer to as the hazah on the corners, that's where you're going to do the final sprinkling on the top. And therefore it's not, so this is really where Tosus gets involved. It's not really, um, necessarily where you're coming out of, but it could also be a reflection, obviously, of where you're doing the hazas. And you might recall that we had a machlokas, in the very machlokas of Yosef Glili Rabbi Akiva, one ended up on the north side and one ended up on the, on the east side, depending where they started. Remember, we said that where one started, that's where the other finishes, and that's where one finishes, that's where the other starts. If one finished on the north and one finished on the south. And so, wherever you end up, that's where you're going to do the hazals. But again, on top of the Mizbech, not on the side, fine. So now we're six lines down uh, from, the, from where the lines get wide in the two dots. You might recall, that we said that we pour out whatever is left over blood after doing all of these blood of Udos, we pour it down. Now, in the Mizbech HaChitzon, right, don't forget, 
the applications are being done on the Mizbech HaPnimi. And then you're taking it out now to dispose of it by the Mizbech HaChitzon. The Mizbech HaChitzon had a base, what we call a Yesod. That Yesod had a southwest corner. That southwest corner, so we're talking about a platform, a Yesod, a base, which is at the southwest corner. It had two holes, two drainage, according to most Shitas. One was, what? Call it the nostrils. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, that's a good visual. No, that's because the mission says, says nostrils. Um, okay, so the nostrils. Nostrils of your nose. It's a good visual. You have these two adjacent holes. One is on the. It's they're both on the southwest corner, but one's on the southern aspect of the southwest corner, and one's on the western aspect of the southwest corner. Now we're going to get a little, a little uh, detailed into which one of those are you pouring the remaining of the blood into. So let's see. That's what it means. Yisod Maravi means on the western aspect of of that southwest corner. What's the pasuk? It says All the remaining dam of the par. You're going to spill it into the yesod. And so there are the nostrils in that yesod. That's called Hadama Parishbach, all the blood, Bechi Nafik. And now, when the Koran comes out, Nafik comes out of, right, the Ulam, right, and when he comes out of the Heichal, rather, and walks towards the outer Mizbeach, Behut Pagabaresha, that is the very first um, nostril that he sees, right, because he's coming clearly from the West. Right, you're coming out of the Kodesh, out of the Eichal, from the west, out into the Chatzar. And so the very first of the two nostrils, the closer one, is going to be the western aspect one on the southwest corner. And therefore you should pour it there first. Fine. Next. However, the remaining blood of whatever, right, Karbanus you did uh, in the Mizbech HaChitzon that day, because don't forget, a lot of the Karbanus are done in the Mizbech HaChitzon as well, those are poured on the Southern more one. So it all makes sense. In other words, why do you have two nostrils? One is you pouring out everything that you, um, the, all the blood that you used when you came from the Kodesh, when you're coming from the West. The other is when you're coming from the South. Uh, the other one, that makes sense also. And as we'll see, the Gemara says, Taner Rabbanon, Yisod HaMizbeach. Let's talk about this base a little bit. Ze Yisod Dromitz. When you say the Yisod HaMizbeach, um, the Brysa said that that's the Southern Yisod. But wait, are you referring to the southern aspect or the western? So Amrit, this is you should say. Well, when you're coming out of the Heichal, you're coming from the west, and therefore you're going to put it in the western nostril. However, when you're coming down the ramp, as we know, the ramp goes south-north, right? It's going up. It's in the southern part of the Mizbech, and therefore... Just like when you come out of the Heichal, you're coming from the West, and therefore, and therefore, when you put it into the Nostra, you put it in the Western one, because that's the first one. So too, you're coming down the ramp, you're coming down the southern aspect of the Mizbech, and therefore, and therefore, the closer one will be the southern one, and therefore, when you're coming off the big Mizbech, you put it in the southern, when you're coming off out of the little Mizbech, to the west, you put it in the west. Fine, Tanya. However, there's a machlokas tonight about this. Rabbi Shmuel Omer Zevzei Yisod Maravi. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai Omer Zevzei Yisod Dromi. Amazingly, they have a machlokas 
Rabbi Shmuel says, pour everything into the west. Rabbi Shimon says, pour everything into the south. Meaning, both from the inner and the outer chatas. So, Bish- so yeah, we had the Kohanim. They probably said, yeah, we did it both ways. So, but they have their sources. But you're right. Like, it wasn't so long. We have so many things that we're like recording thousands of years. And this didn't happen that long ago. But for some reason, yeah, I guess because, you know, it's the Kohen Gadol. So no, not too many people were there. Anyway. Bishlema Rabbi Shmuel, Kosovar Yilmat Sosimim Forash. We can understand Rabbi Shmuel. In other words, Rabbi Shmuel says that you put both in the Maravi. Now, we said Beferush that we come out of the Mizbech HaPnimi and we put it on the Western. So I can understand Rabbi Shmuel said, listen, once you put, um, once you pour some of the blood down the Western aspect and that one we know, that's a fixed one. So let's just assume that everything gets poured down there. That, I can understand that. However, says the Gemara, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, my timer, what would be the reasoning of Shimon Bar Yochai? Why would he say that both of them are, are poured down the Southern? Well, who's he arguing with? Where did he get this from? Didn't we have a beferish idea that you pour at least the one from Mizbech Pnimi down on the West? So the Gemara explains, Amar Vashi, Kasar Pischa Badaram Kai. Because he understood, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai did, that the entire entrance, right, to, to the area over there was the entire entrance to the Hechel was on the su- su- south of the Mizbech. What's going on here? Well, Rashi points out, or Simon Wolf Shlita points out, this has to do with a different Shita in Zvachim that Rav Shimon Bar Yechai had. If you look at the diagram at the bottom of the art school in 59A4, you see he had, because of the placement of the other aspects in the Chatzar, he had the Mizbeach oriented somewhat more north, due north, such that when you come out of the Heichal, you find yourself on the southern aspect of the Mizbeach. So these two shitas of Shimon Bar Yochai are actually intertwined. Because of the placement where he puts the Mizbeach Achit zone, he finds that the Southern, right, that the southern, um, sort of nostril is, in fact, going to be the closest anyway, and it is from there that he derives his reason. Amaravashi, right, as we just read. So that, that, that's what he holds, that the Pesach was a Dharam because the, the, um, right, the, the Mizbech was off center to the north. So Tanab Debei Rabbi Shmael, to conclude this discussion, when they learned this in Rabbi Shmael's Yeshiva, Bidavei Rabbi Shim Barichai, um, uh, rather, when they learned the Brisa of Rabbi Shmuel in the Yeshiva of Rabbi Baruchai, they learned Zev Zed Yisodromis. That they learned, like the Shita of Rabbi Baruchai, that both were in the, poured into the southern nostril, the Simanech. And they had a mnemonic for it, which was Mashchua Gavre Legavra. Gavre Legavra, different ways of understanding it, but the simplest way is Gavre is plural, Gavra is singular. Rav Shimon Bar Yochai has two names. Gavra, Rabbi Shmuel, amazingly, whereas a lot of Chachamim will have two, some will have one, Rabbi Shmuel is just one name, which is a long way of saying that Mashchua Gavre le Gavra, that Rabbi Shmuel were able to draw Rabbi Shmuel into their Shita, which is to say that Rabbi Shmuel agreed with Rabbi Shmuel Bar Yochai that it was to the south. Okay? And that is how they resolved it in the Yeshiva. That's what they said in Rabbi Shmuel Bar Yochai's Yeshiva. Fine. Okay, next, Elu Elu Miss Arvin Ba'ama. So, two, uh, the second line up from the bottom, two dots. So, what's going on here? We're disposing of it in the canal, and they flow out into the Kidron, 
into the Kidron Valley, and there you sold it as fertilizer. And as we said, that there's an issue of me'ila for unauthorized use. You have to sell it to the Gananim, as the Mishnah said. You have to sell it, and then it's okay. Well, what's this issue of me'ila? Well, we know me'ila means misappropriating uh, hectish funds. However, over here, is it real me'ila? Is it deraisa? Is it derabanan? So everybody holds it's derabanan. We'll see. Tan rabanan. Ma'alin badamim. We commit me'ila on damim. Diver Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Shimon. There's no such thing as me'ila on the damim. So, well, our Mishnah says that there is me'ila, right? We said that there's me'ila on it. So that has to be Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Shimon. We have to disagree with the Chachamim. As we turn to an attempt on the base at the auspicious time of 6.13 a.m. and we find ourselves with a very small uh, amount of Gemara, we'll try, we'll try to account for what is this giant Tosus doing here. We'll explain in a minute. The Gemara says, Yeah, you're always going to be paying it on the back end. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's Musser. Don't think, yeah, you're not here for a free ride. You're, that's not what you're here for. You're here to, to do it. Uh, Milton Friedman is the source of No Free Lunch. Andrew has the mucker. Okay. Oh, that's what he says, the great economist. Yeah. Okay. So that's a Musser. The Milton Friedman Goranowitz Musser moment. Okay. What's this idea? Is there an eel on this blood or is there not? So the Gemara says, Akan Lopligilamidurabana. That everybody would agree, okay, that there's no me'ila da'araisa here. How do we know this? Where do we have the darbanan? Where do we have the da'araisa? So in other words, this whole machlokas between Reb Meir, Reb Shimon, on one side of Chacham and the other, it's all about the darbanan. Rashi. Rashi. Rashi is important here. El midarabanan, man da'amar ma'alin midarabanan kamar. Shalom Karen of Amidaraisa, Los of Chomishlo. If you did Me'ila Midaraisa, aside from doing an Isa Daraisa, you'd also have to pay back with Chomish. You don't have to. Nobody holds that, that with regards to these disposed of bloods. That's for sure not. So, Minahani Mili, what's the question of the Gemara here? How do we know that Ain Me'ila Bedamim, that there's no Isser Me'ila Midaraisa here? What's the source? Says the Gemara. Amar Ula, Amar Kra, Lachem. Ula says that there's a Pasuk. The Pasuk says that the blood is Lachem, Shalachem Hiye. Lachem means it doesn't does Me'ila means it belongs to the base of Mikdash and you can't use it. Lachem means it doesn't belong to the base of Mikdash. It belongs to you. So you use it gizun to hate. Okay. That's answer number one. Devei Rabbi Shimantana, they had a different pasuk. We're going to see three different psukim to teach us this, that there's no Yisra Me'ila Medaraisa. Lechaper. That I assigned this blood, Lechaper, which is Lechaparana Tataif. Velola Me'ila. I gave it to you for Kapar, not for Me'ila. What does this mean? Uh, we'll see. In other words, I gave you the blood to use for kapara, which means I'm, I'm not treating it as hektish. I'm just treating it as like functional for kapara. That's like the simple way to understand it. Finally, Rabbi Yochanan says, Amar Kra Hu. It says that the blood, it is the blood that, that, that comes who? Lifnei kapara, klaacha kapara. What's going on? Rashi. Who? Kiadamu benefeshe chaper. Who? Keveyoso, lifnei kapara, klaacha kapara. Laacha kapara, ain bo me'ila. The cave in the nasis mitzvaso, this is the key. Su lo Hashem. That it's only considered Kachi Hashem so long as it has not yet been used. Once you sprinkle, this is the point. You already did the Hazah, right? So you did the Hazah, you did the Avoda. It served its purpose. Now it's no longer Hekdesh. Immediately once you did the Hazah, you did the Kapara, that Hekdesh status falls off and there's no Isr Me'ilah. As the Gemara continues to say, Malacha Kapara ain't Bomeila, Af Lifne Kapara ain't Bomeila, which is to say that it's not at all subject to Me'ila, uh, at any point, this blood.
Amazing. Okay, the aim alach. But wait a minute. The Gemara catches Rabbi Yochanan here. Rabbi Yochanan says, okay, Alcha Kapara, we explained why Ein Me'ila. And he says, Lifnik, so it says who, which means, uh, tries to equate what the status of blood will be, Lifnik Kapara, just as it is the Acha Kapara. But, as we have said in the past, when you have two things and you're comparing them to each other, who's to say that you're comparing the Lifnik Kapara to Acha Kapara? Maybe you should uh, compare the Acha Kapara to the lifting kapara in the sense that it should be an isra Says the Gemara, ve'emak la'acha kapara ka'lifting kapara, ma'lifting kapara yeshma me'ila af la'acha kapara yeshma me'ila. Says the Gemara, ain't l'chadavr shenasas mitzvahs on me'ilam ba'u. That's not a thing. In other words, we never have a situation, says the Gemara, where after kapara, we would never be able to say that after kapara, you still would have a chiv me'ila on this blood because there's never such thing as an object that's hektish and you do the mitzvah and even after the mitzvah is done, you still have a chiv me'ila on it. That's not a thing. So the Gemara, velo, really? There's never such a thing? Bahare truma sadeshin. We have, we're gonna bring several examples. The first is truma sadeshin, right? Ein davar she mitzvah so nasas yoser mizu, right? You have literally the ashes from the night before of all the karbanas for which the mitzvah had done. So you would think, well, okay, that mitzvah is already done, and therefore there's no Isra Me'ila as we arrive at Samech Aleph, right? It says, Mishum Dehavi Trumas, so, 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 wait, Mishum Trumas Adeshen, implied in the question is that we know that Trumas Adeshen, you have to see, you have to put it aside. You can't just throw it in the trash, in the ashtray, right? You have to, right, dispose of it properly. Because it is, in fact, there's a chiv, an iser me'ila on the truma sedeshin. And that is despite the fact that the mitzvah is already done. So we see there is, in fact, a scenario where the mitzvah was already done and we still have an iser me'ila. So to that, the Gemara responds in Samach Hamadalf, Yishim Dehavi Truma Sedeshin Vig De Kehuna. Yes, that's because we have two examples. One is truma sedeshin, as we discussed. The other is Vig De Kehuna. What's the Big Day Kahunas? As we alluded to before, Goranowitz, we said, when the Kohen Gadol is finished with his Big Day Kahuna, we has to put it in Shamus, what we call. Okay? By the way, it's interesting that I use the word Shamus. Shamus usually means Shemot, like the names of Hashem. It's not literally Shamus. When we put like a talus in Shamus, it's not Shamus. It's Tashmisha Kedusha in Shamus. Similar to Me'ila, right? The Me'ila isn't really Me'ila. Isr Me'ila is really, uh, here, as Tosos points out, is Isr Hana. We use the word me'ila colloquially because at this misappropriation of, of, of mikdash, uh, th- of things that are hektish. Just like we use the word shamus colloquially to, to say we're putting it away. But anyways, uh, in this sense, there's a isr hanah. But anyway, the, that isr hanah is both on truma sadeshin and on the big day kahuna. Now, we know a very, a very famous principle. When you have one pasuk only, so that that's going to be reflecting on everyone as a general rule. But when you have two pasukim teaching you the same thing, which is that you can't misappropriate uh, the Big Day Kahuna or the Truma Sedeshin, so now once you have two, you, you know that both are outliers. That's a famous concept, right, in, 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 um, in, in when you're making these drushas, that when you have one, it's a klal, when you have two, they're both outliers, which means that everything else is not going to be. So that's the answer of the Gemara. The Gemara says, yes, Truma Sedeshin is in fact an example of where we finish the mitzvah and we still have to, so to speak, put it in Shemus. But because we have the second example of Big Day Kahuna, we see that those two are outliers to the exclusion of all others, which would mean that the blood is okay. You don't have an Israel on blood. As the Gemara says, Shneik Suvim Abayim Ke'echad, Techol Shneik Suvim Abayim Ke'echad, Ein Melamdin. Right, so now he just explains what that means. When you have two psukim teaches you the same thing, ein malamdin means you can't use that as a generalization to learn everything else. Rather, you see those two as the outlier sheetas and everything else does not apply to. 
To which the Gemara counters, Well, you might recall, this whole question of whether you have to do Geniza and put the Big Dekuna in Shemus is in fact itself a machlokas. The Rabbanon held that it is that you do put it in Geniza. So therefore they have the second Pasuk and they're not going to have another example. The blood will not have to be put in uh, right away. They will have an Isser, so to speak, Me'ila. El Rabbi Doisa, the Amar Big Dekuna, ruining the Lechon Hedyot, but Rabbi Doisa says you can reuse them, repurpose the coin Gadol, right, and, and put it, bring it to the cleaners, and now it's going to be used year-round by the coin Hedyot. My Ekelamemar, you might recall there were some subtle differences, right? The coin Gadol on Yom Kippur wears the Big Day Lavan. Normally he's wearing the bling, right? The Big Day Zav. But the four of the Big Day Lavan, he's wearing Yom Kippur. It's similar, but not exact, exact to the coin Hedyot. So that itself would be Machlokas, whether the belt has differences in terms of the composition, etc. But Rabbi Dosa said that you could, in fact, reappropriate them as Big Day Kahuna. So now he's stuck because he doesn't have the second Pasuk. So he's going to have to use the Pasuk of the Truma's edition as a klal to learn everything else, which would include blood. So says the Gemara, no, there's another example. He has, there is a third Pasuk, the Egla Arufa. What's going on with the Egla Arufa? The Egla Arufa, right, until you use it, it's, it's okay. Once you've decapitated the Egla Arufa, now it becomes Ekdash and you can't, so to speak, and you can't misappropriate. So, so we see that's an example where Nases Mitzvasa, and it still can't be used as Ekdash. So that will be, according to Rabbi Dosa, that'll be a Shnei Suvim Ban Kechad, the Chosh Shnei Suvim Ban Kechad, Ein Melamdim. To which the Gemara says, Hani Chalamandamar Ein Melamdim. Elamandamar Melamdim, Ma'ikalamemar. Well, there's a third Machlokas. What's that Machlokas? Whether you need two, or three uh, such psukim. There are there is a shita that if you have only two psukim, Shumas Adeshen, and the Egla Rufa, it's not enough to say that they're outliers. You would need like three stars in the sky to tell you that Sesakochavim, three psukim to tell you that they're outliers. Anything less, even if it's two psukim, it's a generalization. Says the Gemara, Trey Mi Utek Sivi. Well, in addition to the two psukim, the one by Truma Sedeshan, the Egla Rufa, there's also miutim within those psukim, vesamu, with regards to the clothing, uh, or with regards to, rather, the Truma Sedeshan says vesamu, vesamu, ve, and ha'arufa. There is, right, the, the hay of ha'arufa. Those are exclusionary terms, and they, in fact, are going the extra mile to teach you that even though it's only two psukim, the, the Gemara could have offered other answers, but the Gemara went with these psukim to say that they are so exclusionary that even though they're only two psukim, it's to the exclusion of all others. They are outliers, and thus the blood is not included in that. Finishing up until the Mishnah, having clarified that, we now say, Vihani Tlase Kroi Badam Lamali. Why would therefore we need three psukim, right? Going back to, to the Shita of Ula, right? They, they each said, um, they used the, the Pasuk of the blood differently. But you already have three psukim to teach you that the, there's no me'ila blood. So why do we have this machlokas, Ula, um, and Rabbi Shimon? So we say, why do we need these three psukim? Says the Gemara, So we have three different purposes for those psukim. That this blood that was used, there's no iser of noiser on the blood. It's not like the shlomim at all. It's not like meat. Meat has an iser of nicer if you leave it over. It has iser of me'ila after, uh, right, if you have it still and you have not used it and burned it up completely. And also you can get tummy, right? You can't be tummy and eat. There's an iser kares. But all of those things don't apply to blood. Mind you, you can't eat. There's an iser kares of eating blood. 
But no iser comment, no iser of noiser mi'ila and tuma. And then tomorrow we'll discuss why we don't need to teach you the pigul. We'll explain how blood is different with respect to pigul before we start with the Mishnah on Samachamad Aleph tomorrow. Oh,